Welcome back, team, to another episode of Beautiful Dust Specs, a podcast designed to teach you that the ordinary is truly extraordinary. I'm your host, Alex Hofeld. You bring the curiosity. I'll bring the science. Let's do this. Hello again, fellow sapiens. So this week, I'd like to do a quick little episode on a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. And if you're just waking up to the world around us right now, there appears to be a bit of an anti-science movement going on. And I actually shouldn't say bit. There is a major anti-science movement going on that is taking place and permeating through the masses, through the government, through various other things. I'm not not trying to make this turn into a political podcast because, you know, I have a man bun. I drive a Volt. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a science teacher. I kind of am a walking stereotype, so it's not that hard to figure out. I run a science podcast, so it's not that hard to figure out, you know, what side of the political spectrum I'm on, but I am on the side of knowledge as well. And if you care about this and you are out there listening to the show, what I want to do here is I want to try and empower you to join the conversation, making sure, just double checking that we got this in the right. So one of the most misused things out there is these concepts between fact, law, theory, and hypothesis, especially scientific fact and scientific theory. Especially theory here. We're, we'll get to it as we get going here. But the the core, the catalyst of this is that if we're going to join a if we're going to join the conversation, if we are going to have conversations, and I goad you, I, I I want you to have conversations. Join the masses, and it's hard. It's hard for me right now not to just stick my hand in the so- my head in the soil, my hand in the soil, <laughs> stick my head in the soil, and not really want to worry about what's going on because it's terrifying. But it is the middle of February, and I'm looking at my thawing lake that has been thawing now for the fourth time, I believe, as it swings between very very cold and 55 degrees in the middle of winter. So um, correlation does not equal causation. Local does not mean global, but I don't know, man. Seems pretty weird out there. And if you're following this stuff, and there's there's a lot of scary things going on. And as a science teacher, the good old Betsy DeVos was just she was uh, elected today or whatever, uh, voted in to be the to be the secretary of education. So let's hope she knows more than what it seemed to for her to know. And let's hope she doesn't follow through entirely on the world of getting the religion back into sciences, because getting religion back into education. Education, because in my opinion, and in the Constitution's opinion, and others, you know, the education is educational settings. Public school is not the place for the lack of separation of church and state, and anything outside of the realm, especially in some of the, you know, science and science and um, theology, don't always link up together. They don't always intertwine perfectly, and we know this. And the real good thinkers out there, the people I resonate with, myself included, I attempt to. I want to. I want to find the gap in between. You know, look and see what's going on, where where the gray area is. Because if you look at the grandest minds, you know, the Hawkings, the Dawkins, not the Dawkins, sorry, he's actually, he's the one, he's the actually the outlier, he is a devout atheist, uh, you know, Hawkings, Sagan, Einstein even, these guys had spirituality interlaced in, into their into their fabric, into the fabric of their their minds, and they're, they're out there trying to answer and trying to look for these questions, and that's something that's really interesting, and it's something that I want you to hang on to, but anyways, theology aside here, we need to be able to have educated, educated conversations as we go forth into this new America. America into this new tomorrow. We have to be able to make sure that we have the right vernacular and in both sides of it, always not, you know, not being biased towards the fact that you think you know what it is that you know all the time. You know, we want to live a world, we want to live a life where we're constantly being interjected with new knowledge and have the unbiased opinion of our towards our own knowledge that we don't know what we don't know and something tomorrow may come into the fray that is going to change how we believe. And that is the, that's an essence of being human, man. That is one of the greatest things, if not the greatest thing is our ability to ask and answer questions. So when we take these big science ideas, you know, like evolution, global cli- global climate change, the Big Bang Theory, those are the three that I deal with in my astronomy and biology classes. 
they have some connotation to it. You know, they, they have, they have, they have, uh, they're, they're, they're weighted, you know, they're weighty because we live in a beautiful world that has this paradigm between science, technology, and society. The three things that intertwine together, interlace together beautifully. So- society controls it all, right? We are a part of society. New science then gets pushed forth through funding from society, which could then yield new technologies. Those new technologies could yield new sciences. Those sciences could forever change society. Society could decide whether or not the technology and the science should advance. And that's a crazy thing to think about and they don't talk about that they don't talk about how over time you know the funding for for real you know advanced science has been being less and less and less and less we talk about all these stem jobs and you know we don't have jobs in america in reality the stem fields the the big science technology engineering and mathematics now they actually say steam science technology engineering art and mathematics which i actually like more looking for the the intertwine between art and science is beautiful that you know the, the the big companies are saying that they're there we would love to hire americans we would love to hire people that are ready, but the, as a whole, the workforce is not quite there. And I would argue a big part of that. And again, a lot of this is my, you know, I guess biased. It's my opinion. So I'm, I'm trying, I hope I don't offend anybody out there. You know, we're, we're looking, we're looking at the world through a lens right now where science is getting to become questioned the same way that you question whether or not like LeBron James is the best basketball player or not, where you have all the stats, the ideas of LeBron being the best James, and then you can be like, no, it's Stephen Curry. No, it's Michael Jordan. And you can be like, well, let's check your facts. Sure. You can do that. You know, we can we can look at that. But in reality, in the true core of what science is, when something becomes a theory or a law or a fact, even you we don't debate it. You don't really debate science per se. You are looking at it from the lens of maybe debating opposing viewpoints, opposing theories, stuff like that. But you cannot, cannot and should not ever try and debunk or devalue something by saying it's just a theory, bro. And that is like the worst thing that you could say to a science teacher. I had student, I always have students mess with, mess with me when I, when they, they always try and bring this up to see if it can get me, get me goaded here. Again, you don't have to believe air quotes in the theory itself. You don't have to follow that or have that become a part of what you are. You know, you can, you can argue it per se. You can debate it. You can think about it. You can ponder it. You can have the conversations about it, but you cannot try and invalidate it. I mean, you can. You can do it all you want, but it, it devalues your argument if you're saying it's just a theory, bro, because the fact that it is a theory is powerful. So here we go. Law versus theory. A scientific law, what you think of as like Newton's laws of motion, the laws of thermodynamics, these wonderful things that really do not, that you can think of them as fact. You know the things are going to happen based on the way they're going to happen. And the, the idea, you know, the, the, the concept that they are facts is wondrous in their grandest design. If you're a nerd out there listening to the show, I challenge you to go out there and read books that look at the scientist behind the science. It's fascinating. You can literally start with A Short History of Nearly Everything by Bill Bryanson. Oh my God, my my favorite nonfiction book I've ever read. I've read it three times already. I've read it once, power skimmed it twice. It's got tons of great info. Some of the some of the episodes that I have done here, it's been a huge resource for it. And it talks about that. It talks about how much science has gone into that. You know, we've done some of the Freestyle Fridays, and I've talked about this. If if we've seen far, it's because we've stood on the shoulders of giants. All of these laws, these now things that we know of as fact, anywhere from the Earth being round to the Sun being the center of the solar system to a for, ma- force equals mass times acceleration to if you have mass, you have gravity, whatever, you know, that if entropy increases in a system, whatever law it may be, that is the bedrock of physics and mathematics and science, you know, and physics is the, the engineering world, the, 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 the world of the equations around us that explain how these sticky things that we call elements, aka chemistry are, and how the physics and chemistry manifest into the wonderful world of biology. That's the trifecta of science. And that was the biggest epiphany I ever had in my, in my adult, in my adult life was that it's not biology, physics, and chemistry. I was in the back of my genetics 
physics room in at Western, and I was just understanding all of a sudden that it's just all science, baby. It's all connected. And when you're talking science, you got to make sure you understand what you're what it is that you're saying. So first off, a scientific law is what we like. You know, if, if evolution became a law, or global climate change became a law, or any of these things became a law outside of the realm of theory, it may change the the vernacular. It may it may change the vocab. It may change the discussion as we get out there because people don't you know you, you can you can argue and debate whether or not a force you know a force equals mass times acceleration or an, an equal opposite reactions and all the fun all the fun newtonian physics of there you can even argue the fact that there's gravity and stuff like that or that you'd accelerate towards 9.8 meters per second per second you can do that you're you're not right there's nothing really to argue but you're more than welcome to so as we could go in there you can think of it that way a scientific law is a fact it is something that is there to be described it is there to be determined it determines outcomes and it does it doing using math all of the laws that are out there if it's a scientific law it can be validated using mathematics what we call quantitatively and that's cool and what they do is they describe a phenomena and that word phenomena is really amazing and again this goes back to the beginning of humans right this amazing creature that has its ability that allows itself to stand up and ask questions throughout the globe look at things see the apple fall from the tree see the moon going around map out the stars i love teaching astronomy my students always think that the history unit's probably one of the more boring units i teach them but these ideas have permeated through time and astronomy has been one of the oldest oldest studied things you know pretty much every single culture in some way shape or form has the stars intertwined into its culture in some way it uses it as a calendar and all this because you can't argue the rotational diet what's called diurnal motion or apparent motion of the celestial objects you know that's where the word month came from month your moon takes about one month to go around and go through all the cycles and the phases and all that wonderful stuff so that's a scientific law. It is a pheno- it explains a phenomena and it explains it, you know, using math. But what it does not do and what the theory now does is the theory explains the why. And the first example of this, we'll, t- we'll stay on the gravity trail here. The, Isaac Newton came up with the law and it's actually Isaac Newton came up with the law of mutual gravitation, pretty much stating that if you have mass, you have gravity and two massive objects are going to be attracted to one another. The more mass they have, the more gravitational field they are. And then the closer you are the more the, the stronger the gravitational pull is going to be you know like you have gra- you have a gravitational field because you are made of matter you are interacting with the earth's gravitational field you jump you go back down because the earth is way more massive than you are hopefully definitely <laughs> otherwise you'd be on the news and that that's the law of mutual gravitation einstein went on to talk about general relativity that it's actually massive objects bending and curving what he now called space time and these are laws we can quantify these things we can actually look at them and you know now the I'm sorry, I take that back, actually. It's the theory of general relativity. My bad. That's actually That actually explains the why. So that explains why things go, why planets go around, which through using Kepler's laws. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. But we now have, we can now quantify those gravity waves, and we can quantify that. So who knows? Maybe general relativity will be more and more validated, and one day it'll just be, in essence, a law if we can get the LIGO experiment to permeate throughout history in a little, in a little quicker way. Awesome stuff. I remember I did a whole episode on that, the gravity episode. So theories are where the meat is. Theories are where, again, they describe the why. So if we see something fall to Earth and we see it fall at 9.8 meters per second per second, that is the phenomena. And you can imagine a primitive human. If you didn't know and you didn't have your, your you know, school that everyone hated so much that didn't fill you in on the now and the norm, you may look at this as falling and be like, what's going on? Why? The why is the you know is is gravity. We call it gravity. And ponder this. I'm sure you've heard this before. But you know, if something falls to the earth, we can explain it using the law of mutual gravitation, not the law of gravity. 
Gravity itself is a theory. So if something falls, two massive objects are attracted to one another, they fall down, we orbit the Earth, all these amazing things that we now know gravity does. And again, gravity is amazing. Big G is like, it's the catalyst for change in the universe. You know, gravity created things in nature that led to the evolution of this planet and you, and it's amazing. But we call it gravity because that can explain the why. We see the we see the law of mutual gravitation. We see stuff falling to Earth, but we don't know why. We're like you're, you may be thinking like, well, gravity. Yeah, but drop a pen, drop something right now. You do not see what it is. You don't see what is pulling or making it fall. You know, or if you're you don't see the bending and curving of space time as Einstein later described. So that is why it is considered a theory. Gravity itself is a theory because it explains the why of the law of mutual gravitation, and that's awesome. That is a powerful thing. Theories can be molded and manipulated and applied in various different realms, and that, that's theoretical physics, man. That, that's theoretical science. That, that is all of it. All laws at one time became a theory. Isaac Newton observed things falling, observed the moon going around, and he was able to then backpedal, go through the scientific method, the beauty, the wonder, the awe, the preciousness of this amazing system that has been intertwined and interlaced and adapted over time to get us to see, touch, and feel and interact interact with science more and more and more every single day of our lives. So let's talk really quickly. And again, you don't have to believe in it. It's just like I'm doing a, I'll talk about why that I always hate having to do these little misnomers about evolution. Evolution is the most misunderstood one. And it is hands down the most debated one, the most hot topic, the most con, 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 uh, con, not conversational, um, confrontational one that's out there. It is an incredible thing to think about, but most people, no offense, don't have, they don't describe it correctly. So first off, there is a law of evolution. So people say, well, evolution is just a theory, bro. I've never seen a monkey turn into a human. Yeah, because it it doesn't work that way because of time. Anyways, (laughs) sorry. The law of evolution, that is a fact. Science knows definitively. You can see it take place in a Petri dish, in a culture very rapidly of macromolecules or micromolecules. You can see things change over time. You can see creatures change as they go. You can see speciation happen when reproductive isolation occurs, a stream, a river, a, a, a weather, or a continent shift, you know, all these different fossil records. We have the data, and we can see definitively that things have changed over time, that creatures have adapted over time. However, Darwin saw that. Darwin saw that on the Galapagos, this this closed-in island had this plethora of all different types of biodiversity. Primarily, what he saw was the finches. These finches that are very similar on the evolutionary ladder with different beaks. And he was able to see that the, the he they later theorized later on Grant Grant and Herschel actually I think it's Herschel, uh, husband and wife team later on validated that the you know the beaks are there for food. The 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 beak the beak shapes are determined based on what type of seed they specialize in. Little tiny, little intense cruncher beaks for like bigger seeds, or little tiny pincher beaks for maybe insects or smaller seeds, and that's what we call a niche. So he saw that things just changed over time. But when he had his grandest epiphany, which still people invalidate the the. Okay, now I'm sorry. Let me step back for one second. So, you know, the idea that stuff changes over time, law, there is technically a law of evolution, meaning that there is a fact. We can mathematically show change over time, speciation, things occurring on a level. What people are really debating and what actually comes down in debate, and honestly, a lot of times it actually goes deeper into that, and they're actually debating the level of homo sapien, you know, the the level of humans on the evolutionary ladder. That's where it gets even weirder in, in in this topic. Not just evolution as a whole, but like Homo sapien evolution, primarily because of the Book of Genesis. But again, I don't want to get too religious on this thing. You you know this. If you're listening to this, you you know this debate. I just want to enliven you on on this concept. So the law of evolution is a fact. 
mathematically shown. The why is the theory of natural selection. So if someone is ever saying, well, evolution is just a theory, you can actually go, well, actually, uh, it's, evolution's a law. You're discussing the theory of natural selection. And natural selection is the most, they say the grandest thought, you know, epiphany ever. And it, it's weighted, man. It's still scary. Darwin and Wallace were scared of it. You know, they, they knew what they were publishing and they knew that it went against the bedrock of society. Copernicus knew that they went against the bedrock of society. His his ideas of that the, the sun was at the center. We lived in a heliocentric universe. Science is always there to keep us moving forward under the, the guy, under the framework of reason, knowledge, thought, and experimentation. And it sometimes is terrifying. So there's the law, man. That's the rub right there. That's how it works. The law of evolution is there. Fact with math explains phenomena, this phenomena of things changing over time. The theory fills the gap. The theory describes the why. The theory of natural natural selection states survival of the fittest. That that the environment, it states that the environment determines what adaptations can persist and personify, be passed on from generation to generation to increase that likelihood of things. And that's where it gets sticky, you know? Like, And then, therefore, if you're following that, we are the manifestation of generations upon generations of natural selection. Tiny little variations in speciation take place through this theory. But you may be thinking right again, well, okay, but it's just a theory. It's not a fact. It really can't be a fact. You you can't really quantify that. We don't have all the data. It, it most likely will never be validated as the law because it can't be described mathematically. It can just be described as an idea of why. And the theory of natural selection is arguably the most proven, or I don't proven, excuse me, proven might be a rated word, validated theory that's out there, period. We can see it. You can do it. You can manipulate. You can set up scenarios that create an environment of survival of the fittest to one way or the other, and the, the the fittest wins. And remember, fittest doesn't just mean muscles or speed or claws or you know teeth. It means you. It just means your ability to survive and reproduce. Even if you're like a sneaky, we do this cool example of cross-dressing salmon, where inside the salmon population, there's the big dominant male with this big kipe, this big thing on the front of their face that they can fight, and there's also males that look like females. So if natural selection occurred the, the the male would win and there over time over generations there would be no female looking what they call cross-dressing salmon but it turns out that this salmon has developed a fit way it's developed a thing that it can do and it can actually sneak up and the male will not look at it thinking it's a male it can seminate the eggs and pass on some of its genes in the next generation persisting this female look-alike male salmon really cool stuff and this 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 it's amazing the, the whole thing and that's where I want to end with this here a little bit. That's all I really want you to get an understanding. When people say, I have a theory, actually, they have a hypothesis. I have a theory that I'm going to blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Actually, you have a hypothesis. You have to test it using the scientific method in order for it to become possibly a theory after it's been validated and peer-reviewed over and over. I won't even discuss peer review. If you get a peer-reviewed article, you know, that's what's going people, I don't know, whatever. I'll, I'll get into that in a different episode. Peer review is amazing. So... The, the laws that you can think of as a fact, okay, and it even sometimes even gets to a point where it gets even farther than that. We don't even call it a law anymore because it's just so factual. You just, it's just, you you know, you wake up every day on Earth. You wake up every day on a planet that's round. You wake up every day on a planet that's going around. You wake up every day breathing oxygen, you know, like these things that we don't question anymore, really, because it's so intertwined with us. But if that law has a gap, you know, that explains the phenomena. The theory is there to explain the why behind the phenomena, that if, if force equals mass times acceleration, theories will describe why that 
takes place. And I don't know, that's actually a bad example. Like, so evolution again, or global climate change, you know, we see data is showing that the, that the global temperature is going up drastically, directly proportional to the CO2. Global climate change is technically a theory, theorizing, validating with a lot of science, not just making this up and a bunch of people nodding and being like, I agree. The, the, the data is there showing that there is a direct correlation to the more CO2 that is released by human populations, the more intense the CO, the, 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 um, the, the global mean temperature will rise. And I'm not going to get too into global climate change because we, you probably know this already, but you know, 15 of the hottest years on record have been in the last 16 years and the last 10 have been progressively hotter and hotter and hotter. 2016 was the hottest year on record. Record goes back a long way. They can get data from ice cores and figure out in the deep, deep ice of the icebergs where and how the different temperatures were from tree rings, from things way bigger than we can imagine aside from human history. So, I'm sorry if this got a little ranty and if I, you know, hit on something that you don't quite talk about, talk about because again, you can believe in, you know, you can be a theologian and a scientist. You can be somewhere in between, but you we have to have conversations and we have to have them correctly. And it's a challenge as a science teacher because as I'm sitting there and let's say this, you know, secretary of education, all these things that I'm fearing right now as an educator go through. If you if you tell me to take evolution one day and look at it from the lens of if you ask me to kind of like look at it and go back and forth and try and present it as if it's something that can be debated on a grander scale you're asking you're therefore invalidating the thing that I am teaching the core of what I am as an educator my oath is to teach people about science the, really the the more I get into it as I if I pander more and more to the well this is just a theory or the well this is you know hasn't been proven without defense that's not how it works that is just that is pandering to the masses and teachers we we science teachers fear this all the time we fear reprimand of what'll take place but I'm not allowed I, I need I, that that's invalidating what I'm talking about and we don't want that we want to live in an age of enlightenment we want to progress forward using the skills and tools that you know the shoulders of giants of, of previous we want to continue to progress forward all the great turning events in human history have, have have come from Renaissance ages ages of enlightenment times where knowledge was free flowing and was able to permeate and persist and persist no scientist stands alone. All scientists, grandest idea, grandest age or, or epoch or thing that they have you know, perceived that has changed our foundational understanding of, of humans, which is the core of what we do, man. We humans ask questions. We ask questions and seek out answers. We're all in this together. Science is in it together. We are a part of science. We're progressing into science. If you have children or you are a child, go forth into the STEM fields. Not to mention you'll make a lot of money and you can change the planet, but you have have a way you know you're changing you're moving the ball forward in human history and there's a good chance and it seems that there is a movement against that an age of anti-enlightenment where we want to step back and retroactively go back but remember you have one life we have one society we have one species we have one planet is it worth dealing with that so without getting too into it you know and too much of my own opinion here but i guess it is my own podcast <laughs> Just understand, if anything, in conclusion today, a law is a fact. Mathematically d d proves a phenomena, explains explains the phenomena mathematically, and you can you can use it to make predictions on the outcomes of events. Theories explain the why, and that's what it is. It's not a guess. It's not a it's not a it's not a hypothesis. It can't be. It, it can still yes, it can still be proven false. That is true. It's still falsifiable. But when you do it too much, it's not a guess, and it's not an opinion, and it's not something that is in essence debated. If 
it has been given the stamp of a theory, it has been validated over and over and over again by people way smarter than me and most of us out there. You know, the grandest minds in human history are the ones who de develop, create, and personify these theories. And those theories are the meat. That is the weaponry that we wield to change our perception of things. And we live in the age of enlightenment. Never in time has there been more readily available knowledge to us at our fingertips. And you know that. If you're a podcast listener, if you're out there expanding your brain in all the different wonderful shows that are out there in the world, my show, whatever, you know you know what's up. So that's what we're doing here. Now you understand, you can make sure that when you have conversations about science, you understand the difference between a law and a theory and even a hypothesis. And you can then go forth and have wonderful conversations. Don't do it combatively. Don't do it aggressively. Do it with love and compassion and gratitude, knowing that they, the people, even if they disagree, disagree with you and don't believe in global climate change and you know want the EPA to disappear or think we should teach creationism in a classroom, if they have all that, they're still humans. Be kind for we're all fighting our same great battle here and listen to what they have to say. Don't take it personally. Don't get aggressive with it. And you know, stand up, man. Stand up for the for science. Stand up for reason. Stand up for the the the, the enlightenment that people that the previous generations have given us. That's not that's not slide backwards here as a whole. Let's keep pushing forth. Let's go yonder. Let's figure out what it is. Let's go forth into tomorrow and be be a wonderful creature. So go out there, people. Talk, think, learn, love. Be a beautiful dust speck. I love you. Peace. All right, so before you take off in that, hopefully you're enjoying the show, you're digging what we're throwing down here, trying to learn and get more curious in our everyday lives. I would love it if you guys could reach out to me. Figure out a way to contact me. Best way is beautifuldustbecks at gmail.com. It's always an easy way. You can hook up with the Freestyle Friday if you want your three words to be used in the next Freestyle Flow. Also, Facebook.com Facebook forward slash beautifuldustbecks. Instagram, beautifuldustbecks. And Twitter is at Alex Hofeld. Or all of this website is stuff, show notes at alexhofeld.com. Please contact me. Let me know how you're feeling. Let me know what you're enjoying for good or for bad or for ugly. If you want to just rap and chat and talk about the ever-expanding human experience that is this dustbeck living, let me know. All right. Have a great week, peeps.